This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everyone. We have survived another week of the pandemic. I'm here sitting in my office, as always, and uh, looking forward to talking to you guys more. Uh, we have a roundtable news episode shortly coming, and that is going to help discuss with the whole Epic versus Apple thing. So I won't spend too much time on that. In other news, there seems to be a lot of Me Too uh, indications aside of Ubisoft. I think there's a lot of uh, story developments that was happening with uh, the developers of Skullgirls. Yeah, there seems to be a bunch of these stories that are coming out, which is uh, probably in line with the times, how people are feeling safer at home and having the ability to kind of share without insane repercussions of walking or crossing each other in the hallway. I, I don't know what it is, but it seems to be kind of boiling up at this point in time, which is great news, right? People are feeling safer. And everything, but there seems to be a lot of good things and bad things that are happening. I do fear that the there's a tumultuous, tumultuous, tumultuous moment that is boiling to the end of the year, where the game industry is going to definitely hear a lot of things. Fine, I hate to kind of bring you guys the Tuesday gloom, but. Brace yourselves. If you have the job, keep it as long as you can. Kind of read the signs. If you guys are not hitting deadlines, I think you should prepare. Um, Because November is when I think a lot of projects will get axed. In terms of uh, game projects or uh, game companies, you know, the biggest one was Warner Brothers Montreal. And that seems to be the one that people have been talking mostly about. As I'm talking to you now, DC fandom just happened over the weekend, and I was really impressed. I mean, DC as an entertainment uh, company, not just games, have been, uh, I think, a little bit of a slump uh, since basically Justice League. Um, And it wasn't until recently where the Joker and and even Aquaman, I, I didn't really like that movie, but they've been on kind of like a hot streak of good movies. I saw Birds of Prey recently. I thought that was a really good movie. So with the trailers for Batman, the trailers for uh, the new Suicide Squad 2, it seems like uh, they're finally picking up pace and spending the time and uh, ensuring quality of each movie. Right, And that kind of carries over to the games. The games themselves rock steady. One of my favorite developers who actually, you know, speaking of the whole me too and harassment you know they've been kind of in hot waters but as a developer uh, their last game was the batman series the suicide squad game looks really good um in contrast with warner brothers montreal gotham knights looks really good as well so a couple of cool games that are coming out that looks very impressive what's uh been worrisome it seems like it's finally 
been halted was the talks of how Warner Brothers were or that was recently bought by AT&T. AT&T in particular was trying to sell the interactive entertainment segment, which is all the games. So forgot really how impressive Warner Brothers games were. You know, we're talking about the monolith shadows of Mordor developers, uh, Mortal Kombat, you know, Rocksteady, the Gotham games, uh, Batman games, a lot of stellar game developers uh, that were at risk because AT&T were talking about either selling it or shutting down the studios. Uh, thankfully, they have decided to pause uh, that initiative, most likely because of the pandemic. Uh, they figured this wasn't the best time to kind of kind of sell. Uh, so they're probably waiting and postponing that for another year, which is kind of in terms of the games coming out right after that. So they're probably weighing in on the sales as well as interest after the pandemic uh, to move forward. But those seems to be the biggest news in the past week uh, that I know about. So overall, pretty exciting week, I think. Uh, looking forward to more news. So this episode was a talk given by Zach Rich, who is now over at Facebook. So it's safe to call that out now. And at the time, um, he was talking about user-generated content. Right? We're talking about the rise of Roblox, the rise of Minecraft, and all these uh, dreams and what it means to game developers. A very interesting talk. He's always bringing in the knowledge. And this is, I think, uh, a big part of game developers for the next five years of how we create games and how to approach the business of games. Um, so enjoy. Uh, how's it going, everybody? I think Brandon sort of led in there. Uh, my name is Zach Rich. I am a video game attorney located in Silicon Valley. I work right now with some of the largest players in VR, AR, uh, and the gaming space. Um, so today's talk, we're really going to focus on user-generated content, as Brandon had mentioned. And bear with me here because my webcam is at the top of my screen and my notes are on another screen. So if my eyes start looking all over the place, you guys all know why. Um, so a little bit about me. Uh, I am an attorney who, in Florida and in California. Uh, I was formerly the lead for Press Start Legal from 2017 to 2019 when I made the move out to California to come to work for Amazon Games. Uh, my career has been focused mostly on intellectual property, privacy, and commercial issues within the interactive entertainment industry. Uh, I'm a member of both the International Trademark Association and the International Association, International Association of Privacy Professionals, or IAPP. Uh, you may have seen some of my work. It's been published on Gama Sutra. When I was running Press Start Legal, one of my ways of giving back to the community, and I believe that's the way how Brandon actually located me the first time, is I host a 
used to host an AMA called I Am a Video Game Lawyer on Reddit's Game Dev Community, where for at least the entire day of Wednesday, at least twice a month, I answered questions from the community about various legal issues. Uh, but today's talk, we're going to focus on user-generated content. So let's, let's talk about what we're covering today. We're going to talk about what is user-generated content. We're going to talk about user-generated content agreements, or for the rest of this talk, you know, UGC agreements. Uh, do you need them? What do they do? Where should I place them? How do I know that my users and gamers uh, all accepted these terms? Uh, we're going to talk about the risks of UGC in your games, how you can mitigate those risks, and what you as a company, as a game developer, should really be thinking about if you're looking at creating a game like a Minecraft, like a Dreams, like a Second Life, um, anything that's going to give the users the ability to create what I'm going to dub the flying penis. It will have context, I swear, just bear with me. So we're also going to talk about how to navigate IP-related issues with user-generated content, how deep do these go, and because I allow users to create uh, Sonic the Hedgehog using voxel blocks in my game, will Sega and so, you know, have a claim against me uh, for IP infringement? And are there any protections from IP rights holders upset with user-generated content in my game that I can use today to protect me as my company and use it as a shield? And we'll get into that as well. Uh, but first, a disclaimer. Nothing in today's presentation should be considered legal advice. I know that's kind of counterintuitive as I am a lawyer talking about the law. Everything discussed today is my general opinion based on current laws in the United States. The facts of your case may vary very differently from what we're discussing today, and different outcomes will come and affect your situation greatly. This presentation does not create an attorney-client relationship. I don't know you. You don't know me outside my floating head on this beautiful graphic that Brandon has provided. Moving on. So what is user-generated content? You know, UGC or some places you can see it listed as UCC is user-created content, includes all types of communications, sounds, videos. It's the material that your users are creating within your game. They are uploading it. They are recording it. They are communicating. They are transmitting through your game. Now, these are all, of course, legal terms of art, but, you know, Deep down inside, user-generated content can be anything from the songs that Beat Saber allows users to create to worlds in Minecraft, create direct replicas of right now colleges because of COVID, but people have made uh, the entire Middle Earth from the Lord of the Rings series. You've seen people create things like Hogwarts within Minecraft. Um, there are a very big popular trend happening right now are games that allow you to make games. So uh, a very popular game on PlayStation Dreams allows you to create games within games. Uh, these are all user-generated content. Of course, there are some not-so-obvious ones that we're going to touch on a little bit later, and one that one particular company, Blizzard, would wish they had thought about back then, which is StarCraft and WarCraft. Both have user-created scenarios, game modes, custom game modes, etc. And you all remember... Uh, Dota. That is uh, a game mode that originally was created in Warcraft 3 and then spawned the entire MOBA genre. Uh, we're going to talk about ways that you can put phrases within your UGC license that you won't lose out on the IP rights to those creations like Blizzard did. Um, other examples, other games in the community out there, you're looking at Second Life, Roblox, Ark, The Sims, SimCity, 
Uh, you know, these are all uh, areas in which you are creating tools to allow your users to create um, content for your game. You know, your game is just a sandbox and you're filling it with the content that your users are creating. Uh, one thing that we are not going to discuss today is anything that would fall under a community content policy. So, for example, this is when users are using your game assets to create YouTube videos uh, or spin-off comedies. For example, the Red versus Blue series that used Halo. Um, and since we only have 30 minutes, we're going to try and stay away from uh, this entire area of law and focus purely on user-generated content within a game and how that affects game development. So do I need a UGC protections in my terms of service? Uh, the answer is yes. If your game is going to feature user-generated content, you're going to want UGC protections in your terms of service. The big question, why? And we're going we're gonna to dive into this a little bit deeper, but at a, the highest possible level is because when you surface your terms of service at the start of the splash screen of your game, that nobody ever reads and they scroll all the way to the bottom and click I accept, well, guess what? You just made sure that they accept a legal document. Whether they read it or not, that is entirely on the user. They scroll to the bottom, they clicked accept, the law treats that as you had an opportunity to read that document and therefore you are bound as a user to that document. Now, these UGCs address a lot of very important issues, uh, both in player usage rules, how will they use user-created content within your game, and it also addresses the IP implications of having user-generated content within your game. You know, typically you want to see uh, different copyright licenses to reproduce, to distribute um, different UGC within your game environment and potentially allowed other players to interact with your UGC. Now, what I mean by that is if your dreams and somebody created a fantastic game, you want the copyright license to reproduce and distribute that within your platform. Uh, and we'll, we'll dive a little bit into what that actually means in copyright licensing in just a minute. But as a developer and a publisher, uh, this is vitally important to you. And you want to think about IP ownership, IP licensing. Do you want an assignment of rights? Would you want the actual right to own the particular IP? So every game, every situation is going to be very different. And you know the question of why you would want a license over actual outright ownership really comes down to what your tolerance for risk is. For example, if somebody is assigning to you all their rights and ownership of content they've created for your game, but that content is actually uh, derivative of a, another third party's IP, so for example, the Sonic the Hedgehog um, example, you don't want to own that. You want nothing to do with that. You want to be able to say that this violates your terms of service because it is someone else's intellectual property and remove it from your game. Or at the very least, have a license to reproduce only that UGC within your game environment. That way, you can live within your game. And if, in the event, you know, Sega comes knocking on your door, your door, you can then take down uh, this particular content. And we're going to get through different mechanisms that you need to put in place to shield yourself as a developer from these issues uh, in just a little bit.
now, UGC, as I stated, can contain different infringing content that may expose you to different liabilities. But if you take proper IP protections, uh, different processes, different current uh, legal issues, for example, it's very popular right now. It's It's been blast across the news. You've heard it. It's called Section 230 of the CDA. Uh, it's something right now that President Trump is aiming to take down. This is a tool that you as a game developer can use to protect yourself. Uh, there's also something called the Digital Millennial Copyright Act and the takedown process within that act. I'm sure many of you are familiar with that, uh, either through YouTube or through other mechanisms, but this can actually be used for you as a game developer and a publisher to protect yourself from this content as well. Um, now, what you have to think about when I was talking about risk tolerance is if you take IP ownership of UGC, you potentially could have billion-dollar businesses created for you. And I know that sounds ridiculous because it is going to literally be a one in a, you know, billion chance that this happens. But I like to focus back to what we were talking about earlier. Blizzard lost and really never had the rights to Dota when it was released. It was created as a, a game mod in Warcraft 3. Next thing you know, the developers are working with Valve to come out with Dota 2. You have a spinoff, which then created... Um, not a spinoff of Dota 2, but a spinoff of Dota, which became League of Legends. This entire concept of MOBAs was created as UGC in Warcraft 3. Uh, and if you look at Warcraft Reforge, which is the latest remaster of Warcraft 3, Blizzard actually changed their UGC agreement to own the rights to anything that is created with their game modes. Now, they are willing to accept that risk, one, because they're Blizzard, but two, because they're not giving free range tools like a Minecraft, like a Dreams, like a Roblox to create whatever users want. They have to create uh, UGC within the confines of the game rules. So in the, in the case of Warcraft, there's only so much you can do with the existing Warcraft models, maps, etc. You can't create, say, Pokemon outside of naming the characters within the game that. Um, you can't change game models, etc. So these are the types of issues that you have to examine every time you're looking at what to do with UGC and how you can protect yourself from infringement claims with this type of content. Uh, now, let's take a look at an example. This is a UGC provision that you would likely see within your own game. And there's a couple areas here that I want to highlight. So the first, and I'm going to give you all just you know, a quick second to read this, and I'll read through it with you. You know, you are responsible for all communication images, sounds, and other materials and information that you record, communicate, upload, or transmit through the service. In this case, the service will be your game. You hereby grant Studio, you, and this is what I want to highlight, a worldwide, perpetual, irrevocable, sub-license, transferable, assignable, and non-exclusive, royalty-free right to license, use, reproduce, distribute, adapt, modify, translate, create, derivative works of, publicly perform, publicly display, digitally perform, make, have made, sell, offer for sale, or import UGC. That very long, massively run-on sentence that lawyers like to create basically gives you, the studio, the right to do whatever you want with UGC. You can create a game based off of it. You can create levels based off of it. Anything your heart so desires. If you get a popular character that is created within your game and you would like to 
remove it from the game and create a TV show based on it. Uh, if you want to create merchandise based on it, that provision gives you the ability to do that. Going further, we're we're going to highlight down here. You represent warrant and agree that UGC in its use may not violate any third party rights, including intellectual property rights. Now, I know that Jessica Schraben was here yesterday discussing intellectual property issues and video game development. But what this is basically saying, and it's giving you uh, basically an, a knowledge out. And what I mean by that is. You don't know and you can't know because in theory, your game world is so big. You have so many users, so many people playing that you cannot police every bit of content. So you are taking it on face value that as a user who's agreeing to this provision within your terms of service, what they are creating, the UGC that they are creating with your tools on your platform does not infringe on a third party's intellectual property right. And that's important for the next couple of slides. So how do you protect yourself from infringement claims over UGC? Well, as part of your agreement within your terms of service, you want to obtain those representations, the representation that we were just discussing. So you want to make it clear that the user is representing or the player is representing that they own the generated content that they are creating, uh, that there is no confidential information within that UGC. And what I mean by that is the user is not creating something off of their day job. Say they work for Apple or Amazon, Facebook, you know, EA, Sony, Microsoft, etc. If you're working at that studio and you're working on, say, an unannounced game, and you then create that character, that game level, that game mode, et cetera, in somebody else's game, in this case, your game, uh, you want to make sure that this is not any type of confidential information. And so you're getting the players to warrant that that is not confidential. That's important in case a studio comes knocking on your door wondering why their next unreleased hit is appearing in your <laughs> newest T-shirt. Uh, you want to make sure that the UGC does not infringe on 3P rights. That's what we were just going over. And that the UGC does not violate any part of the user's agreement. And this goes to what I was discussing with the flying penis problem. Uh, a lot of times when you give people the ability to create whatever they want, unfortunately, you're going to get some bad actors who are going to create things that you probably didn't intend. And they call this the flying penis problem. Is an issue that... Uh, a past client of mine had to deal with with their kids' version of Minecraft, for lack of a better term, and it gave uh, it was marketed towards a sub thirteen age class. It was built around the idea of similar to Minecraft, giving kids the tools to build whatever they want. And what ended up happening is their world was filled with user created flying penises. And this is content that went against the uh, rating of the game. It's content that would violate uh, different child protection issues. Uh, and this having this particular verbiage within their terms of service allows them to terminate the user's account, delete the UGC, and wipe their hands clean of it. But what about protecting it in the law? You have two current standing shields, let's call them, to protect your company. The first is the Digital Millennium Copyright Act and the takedown policy. This is why the verbiage that we discussed earlier about not having knowledge that the work being created is 
in violation of a third party's rights because you want to not have this knowledge so you can then act as a innocent third party. You are just a service provider. You are not to be held liable for the content that is created on your platform. And in the event content that is created on your platform does violate a third party's rights, you have created a process to remove that content. Now, the Digital Millennium Copyright will not protect you if you treat UGC actively. And what I mean by actively, you're a curator of it. You're using it in other places. You're replicating it. You're creating game modes off of it. You're creating different series off of it, etc. If you are actively involved in managing user-generated content, you now have knowledge of what that content is. And because of that knowledge, you then can uh, be held responsible for infringement. They would have to prove it, but it makes your case of defense much weaker. Uh, now, there is a catch to getting this protection under the DMCA. One of those is you have to be registered as a service provider. Uh, there is a link on my presentation, copyright.gov slash DMCA directory FAQ, where they walk you step by step on what you need to do to register as a service provider. Now, this term service provider is used so broadly. So if you are a game that includes UGC that has the ability for users to create accounts, to log into, to play your game, you are considered a service provider. The second, and as I mentioned earlier in the presentation, is something that you've definitely heard of recently. It's constantly being talked about, and that is the Communications Decency Act, and more specifically, Section 230. And that states, no provider or user of an interactive computer service, and again, similar to the DMCA, this is extremely broad, uh, shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. So what does that mean in plain English? That means you, the user, cannot be held, or sorry, you, the service, the interactive computer service, cannot be held liable for what your users create on your platform. Now, this has seen some recent gutting. There's a lot of calls right now out in Congress and in the Senate to uh, gut Section 233 because of these protections. And I have been on both sides. I've used the CDA as a shield for my clients. And at the flip side, I have had it used against me. Uh, other ways that you've seen this at play, uh, right now you see it played out in the news right now where Twitter and Facebook cannot be sued for what their users post. You'll see it a lot in uh, countless user reviews. You see it in Craigslist host classified ads. Um, it's it's literally everywhere and it's impossible to see the internet exist today without the cda because if you could be held liable your game your platform your website for what your users are doing within your game why would you create it in the first place in fact this was possibly the most influential law to protect the innovation that has allowed our the internet to grow and strive so wrapping up at least the presentation, and then we're going to take a Q&A because I like to be very interactive with the people uh, who are listening, hence the AMAs that I used to run. Uh, 
games that feature user-generated content is it's an extremely exciting way to get your users interacting with your game world. And there are so many ways to do it. You could take the Minecraft, Roblox, Dreams approach where you are just creating the platform and you're allowing your users to run with it. You could go the StarCraft, Sims uh, way of creating tools within your game and allow users to use those tools to create other game modes, other uh, content, but it's very limited. Uh, you know, there's so many different things to consider, but each has its own risks and each has its own protections that you have to put in place to make sure that you as a developer, as a publisher, are in it for the long haul and will not get hung up on an infringement lawsuit. Uh, my LinkedIn is on here. So is my Twitter. Please feel free to reach out to me guys at any time with any questions. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Brandon. Uh, Brandon, uh, I'm assuming you guys have some Q&A that we're going to do right now. Yes, that is correct. I am still here with you. I want to thank you again for your time and walking us through this. This is actually a pretty new new type of... Uh, I'm glad you're kind of introducing us to this topic and educating us on it because uh, like you mentioned, uh, user-generated content is a, a blossoming uh, industry. And uh, in a lot of ways, it, it's actually refreshing to see... Uh, I would I wouldn't call them amateur game developers. I would just say more accessible game developers uh, using these systems to kind of get their feet wet with game development and not quite making the plunge into college just yet or learning complicated tools to kind of produce their idea creatively. But like you said, there are a lot of legality issue. And we saw that, I think, at the beginning of the year with Dreams when they first released. And a lot of hype was around that because I think part of the marketing, I don't know if it was intentional on their side, was recreating a lot of classics. And I think naturally young developers uh, lean towards fan art uh, initially before creating something original. So that that kind of was kind of like a, the perfect storm of uh, at least with Zach and, and your lawyer friend sitting sitting at the couch just laughing at this is going to be a disaster. So I want to kind of hear more insight about that, like as you were seeing that kind of uh, blossoming. Absolutely. So, you know, for developers, young developers who are just starting out, to be able to create something like using Dreams is is a is a godsend. This these tools did not exist five, six years ago, even last year, really. The the ability to create a game within a game uh, is is really the best way to test your abilities to determine whether or not this is for you. Um, now, the flip side of that is. Provisions like the one I have up here, the UGC provisions, you don't own really the rights in what you're creating. So you want to be really careful when you're operating um, as an early developer within something like Dreams. Flip side of that, if you're creating a game like Dreams, you, the most important thing you can do is to make sure that you have a UGC provision. You want to make absolutely certain that if someone is going to create the next billion dollar game, you own the rights to it. You know, if Blizzard could go back in a time machine to when Dota was first created on their custom game modes and then send an update to their terms and conditions to be like, we want the rights to this, you best believe they would. I mean, they missed out on a massive opportunity. And, you know, ask them how many people are playing Heroes of the Storm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I, I think one of the, well, you're touching actually on a good point. I, I think the biggest game that initially um, 
played off of this. It's, it's, I feel like at least um, it's the same team as Dreams. It's the guys that that that, that kind of saw this as an industry, but uh, which is a little big planet, right? Just a lot of uh, accessible tools. And uh, although they were kind of locked within the Sony ecosystem, and I, I feel like for Dreams... Uh, it, it's it's um, suffering the same thing too, like in a way where, uh, that, I mean they're 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 owned by Sony, and of course they they get a lot of resources from Sony, so they're they're not crying about it in terms of uh, the amount of marketing and and, and 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 power that they're getting. But like, how much bigger would have they been? I, honestly, if, if it was more like on my Minecraft level or Roblox, right, where where it's accessible to all these other platforms and creators are freely able to create without having to own, uh, have a buy-in, uh, basically. And um, talking about Roblox. Oh, they, Roblox they would be massive. Crazy, too. Yeah, they would massive, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. If, if you could take Dreams out of the, the Sony ecosystem and, say, put it on PC similar to Minecraft or, or all platforms, make it completely accessible to everybody, you would have basically created the early stage game developer playbook you, you would you could go out and market your opportunities to schools to stem programs to you know developer meetups hey come play our game and create a game within that system you know they could take it even a step further and i'm just spewing out ideas for anyone here who's listening and writing it down who wants to, to run with this but um you know you you could create a platform where ugc is at the center of it and make that platform accessible and then you could go one step further where if you could go as a restrictive as a ugc platform like the one that i had up on the screen or you can go really loose and maybe uh have sort of a revenue share agreement uh, if you create something within my game that all of a sudden is amazing uh, and people are buying my um my game to play your game uh you can do a rev share split and, and just build that platform and then something if that game spawns outside of your platform um maybe you take a stake in it maybe you invest in these developers if you're uh, a growing publisher this gives you the chance to find new talent and you know i'm going to get a lot of slack for saying this but talent cheap because they, they haven't really created anything uh yet so it's it's an idea it's growing you see it now so like youtube was created because of user generated content User, YouTube was just a platform. Um, and look at where it's at now. And it's the same with social media. These were all platforms that with user-generated content became what they are today. YouTube is actually a great comparison. Uh, I think that's the first time where you kind of made that connection for me. Where, yeah, it, it started off very similar to a lot of these uh, user-generated type of um, uh, creations or, or platforms. And um, as an example, Roblox, right? See, this is where I, I, I'm, I'm starting to age myself here, where out of the blue, uh, suddenly I'm made aware of this, where it seems like every kid was playing it. And for me, at first glance, it's like, what is this subpar graphic output, like flash level type of games? How are you guys playing this? But everyone was took because of the idea of creating their own levels and games and setting the rules and being a god basically uh at a very young age and if anything roblox i feel is the closest to what you are speaking of because i feel like their team is realizing 
it's a monetizing business. I feel like they, they at least make an effort with their content creators and working with them to not only produce, but like really amplify a lot of the creation. And, and a lot of these guys uh, on the Roblox universe, at least a lot of them went on to, I think we're going to have a guest a couple, a couple of weeks from now on the game dev Unchained, who ended up paying for his college education just through the revenue that he created with his Roblox game, which is a four-year It's, it's amazing, That's isn't insane. it? Like, yeah. If yeah. you look at when Roblox was launched, and this, although slightly related to UGC, slightly unrelated, and just a bit of general great advice to everyone who's, who's tuned in, when Roblox launched, they were pegged as a Minecraft clone and had a decent user base, but nothing really to write home about. They pivoted and built this platform based on user-generated content to differentiate themselves from Minecraft. So we're not just a voxel-based, you know, sandbox game world. We're giving uh, users, and they appeal to a younger base, uh, the ability to create something. Uh, and some of it's really like fascinating. I mean, these are, uh, you know, when I was a kid. When we had computer class, it, we were playing around. I, I believe the game was like Magic Mountain, where you had to like solve math problems and climb up a tower in like eight-bit graphics uh, on an old Windows 3.1 machine, possibly Macintosh. But you know these opportunities didn't exist back when we were all kids. And now uh, someone created this platform, and you don't see too many challengers to it. I mean, you have Dreams, and there are other games that have been announced that seem to see this sort of spark and want to turn it into a full-fledged flame. But I think what we're going to see over the next couple of years as VR expands, as AR starts to uh, become more widely acceptable, uh, more platforms that give the users these abilities will become more mainstream. And a great example, uh, of course, I, I haven't played it yet because I believe it's still in, in closed beta, but just judging on the uh, launch trailer by itself, uh, Facebook's Horizons is going to be that. It's uh, from what I've read online and what I've seen in the trailers, it's giving users the ability to create worlds within worlds uh, where they can create games within that world and, and do it now in VR. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, fortunately, unfortunately, I, I think the visionaries are, are, are kind of being sparked by outside traditional game development studios like Facebook, Roblox. It's not like from the ground. They are a game development studio, obviously, but I feel like that the, the makeup of that company is more tech tech on the tech front. And I, it wasn't like as if a bunch of Call of Duty developers came together and came up with this idea. Same thing with Minecraft. It was great. created with originally a, a small, a two-person team, right? Um, the, yeah. thing, the funny thing with Minecraft is what ever since they got bought by Microsoft, I, I feel like a lot of what they've been putting out is kind of like in the opposite direction. I mean, they're, they're having more like official Minecraft uh, experiences and, and yep. less talking about user-generated content, which they were built off of, which is a very weird, um, weird business plan. 
uh, because now they're. But even with, with Minecraft, games. the mm -hmm. the Java version, because I believe there's two ver there's the Windows 10 version and then the Java version. The Java version is still extremely popular because it's the only right. one that supports mods, and mods right. are a form of user generated content that you, as the creator of the mod, don't really own any rights to, uh, based on well, depending on a UGC provision within the terms of service. But uh, you know, Minecraft became popular because of the Java version mods, uh, and and it's still popular today. And these are great examples of how you can create a game and then give SDKs and the ability to create mods. I mean, look at all the different Half-Life games, uh, Half-Life 2 games that were spawned based on mods. Day of Defeat uh, was, was a big one. Uh, totally blanking. Team there was a particular Fortress. zombie. Team Fortress was one. Team Fortress 2. Um, yeah. Not Call of Duty. The similar one. Counter-Strike. Can't believe I couldn't remember that. Counter all these were Half Life mods. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's and, a, that's and all these good. were user generated content. That's very true. Like when I was growing up, how I got into gaming, at least my first steps was through modding, and uh, at that time, uh, studios I felt like, especially with Valve, they made an extra effort to make it as part of their launch to create tools or. Uh, make their tools accessible to a lot of um, newbie developers, right, to kind of get their feet wet. Um, and there was a long absence, I think, a period where that wasn't the objective anymore. I feel like at the late of, end of PS2 era to PS3, uh, that community was largely ignored. And then uh, recently, like what you said, that that has kind of been taken over, not officially, by games like Minecraft, Roblox, uh, to kind of fill that need and void. But it, it, at the same time, it's uh, it's kind of weird. Like the proposition is um, isn't set so that you're you're not hearing a bunch of like top Roblox creators getting that job at Activision or Blizzard, right? I mean, we're they're not just yet. simply not looking in that. Not yet, exactly. And I feel like a lot of that community is being ignored for the reasons of well, this is not a, they're not being real game developers, which is probably kind of like the attitude of what modding was before, but even more jaded now because these guys if anything have such a bigger audience uh they have the social engagement down to the point where they're being supported uh financially but like being championed by their fans on a greater scale because social media wasn't really a thing back then uh, during the counter-strike days so if anything they're more amplified but for some reason i feel like there is still like a foreign idea of like well those guys are a Roblox creator isn't a game developer, which uh, I'm with you, man. I, I think well, if anything, I'll, I'll give you a great example. So, have you heard of the game Natural Selection? I, I think that's what it's called. Yes, it could be I'm wrong. A huge fan. So, it, it was a mod for Half Life that gave you this third person RTS with the first person shooting elements to it. Well, they went on and created Natural Selection too, um, completely on their own, totally built engine, etc. You know, not based on a mod. Uh, and Valve actually sued them. Um, because they technically own the rights to the mod, right. which and then own the rights to derivative works based on the mod. Now, they actually entered into a publishing deal, which then resolved the lawsuit. But um, there is opportunity to create something within a, a game. If you're an early stage developer, you can create UGC and use it to build your portfolio. 
just be careful with you know what you agreed to. Read the terms of service, guys. I cannot stress this enough. If you're a, if you're a developer who's creating something within a game, read your terms of service. If you're a developer in studio getting ready to launch your game, hire a, l- a lawyer to create your terms of service because you want to be the one who has these rights uh, to this various content. So you kind of mentioned before, even within your presentation, to kind of get these uh, this type of thinking because you never know when it's going to blow up, right? If anything, you want to have the ability to be flexible and make a living off of it, right? And really, there's no reason why the next stage or the next step after a successful Roblox creation, Minecraft creation, Dream uh, creation uh, to want to go ahead and work for a major studio, right? Some people, sure, but for others, it's like you're you're a full fledged game developer, and the goal, I, I think, for a lot of game developers is to work on their own ideas eventually, right? And but if you're skipping yeah. that whole middle step, uh, the roadblock, as you mentioned, is facing these corporations that have these terms of services that eventually own everything that you did. And you have no idea because you're, again, you're just not at that level where you're a seasoned vet to, to even know what that is, right? You're just mistaking the game and creating it. And that's that's where people like myself, where Jessica, you know, we come in and, and we're lawyers to support this industry. Um, you know, we want to be able to help you uh, and, and help people guide, you know, sail through this relatively mess. You know, one thing I, I learned when I first created Press Start Legal was the gaming industry. It's a, it's a massive, massive, multiple billion dollar industry. I, I believe I saw a, a statistic the other day that the gaming industry eclipses music and movies combined. Uh, and I think television was thrown in, but I don't want to overstate it. And one thing I learned uh, from the legal side of it is that we have this massive billion dollar industry that is just grossly underrepresented by legal. And you see things like uh, last or two years ago, there was a the big fight between uh, Bethesda with Fallout and with yeah. HBO and Warner Brothers with the Westworld game that was almost a direct clone. And you see it every day, uh, people making clones of your game and, and you not taking proper precautions to protect yourself. Um, UGC and games that spawn you know, huge hits like Dota and League of Legends and you guys uh, being the ones who should own the rights to this are not thinking about it that far ahead. And then of course there's the flip side of that. If you don't have UGC provisions within your terms of service and you have UGC within your game, you want to make sure you're protected from other rights holders from coming after you for infringement. You know, you don't want Nintendo, Sega, Activision, Blizzard, et cetera, all knocking on your door, you know, or various studios, Marvel, Disney, et cetera, you know, tapping their foot at you, waving their finger going, hey, you know, what are my characters doing in your game? Uh, You know, I want money now because, you know, you're infringing on our rights. Um, And these provisions help and defend you against these types of cases. Of course, that's also a, a gross exaggeration, and I will point back to my earlier disclaimer that every case is different. Uh, but generally, having these provisions following uh, the DMCA takedown policy that you'll create and as told it's completely gutted, you can use the CDA as a shield. Uh, you These will protect you if you wanted to create a game like Dreams, you know, Roblox, Minecraft, etc., yeah, and, and a lot of what you're saying, it, it comes from both ends because um, even the the sole developer who who are working on these platform don't don't think it's going to be a mega hit by the end of it. 
I, I think a lot of these companies are, are starting to think that this way, but like when they created these platforms, they didn't really think of it. Well, there's a lot of, it's, uh, it's a lot like what YouTube was before it became um, YouTube, right? Where yeah. they just create well, you, a place you never know. To hang out. And it, yeah. and if you can't afford an attorney, you know, there's different ways attorneys will work for you or work with you. Um, I'll give you a fantastic example in a game that involves user-generated content. Um, and this is the type of game that you, that creates the tools and just gives you sort of a sandbox to build within. It involves dinosaurs. When the game was first coming out, nobody thought it was going to be as popular as it was, not even the creators. And they did a, a 5% rev share with the attorney who assisted them because they didn't have any cash to pay for one. Uh, and the game ended up blowing up. It was a huge hit. Uh, they have a sequel out that has nothing to do with dinosaurs, um, but also uses user-generated content. And... You know, the particular attorney that I know who who worked for this particular company is now sitting back collecting his 5% checks every month that are just, you know, paying for his house up in Seattle. Yeah. It it works in mysterious ways. And I I feel like a lot of game developers uh, on the popular side, it's it's more like, you know, we're always leaning and we don't know how well it's going to do, but. The, the 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 percentage that actually does a surprise hit it works the same way it's like oh wow i had no idea it's going to do that well so uh yeah a lot of starts with creative um inspiration yeah, believe believe in yourself if you're going to create a good game whether it involves ugc or not people will play it you know always focused on the first thing which is i want to create a game that people are going to want to play everything else will come with that uh you know you don't need to worry about multi-billion dollar marketing budgets etc i mean I'll, I'll use anthem as a great example i think uh brandon you and i were talking right around when anthem had launched you know i think two two years ago or a year ago and you and i were both excited this was going to be a great new game and it turned out to be a massive flop because it doesn't matter how big your marketing budget is it doesn't matter how big the publisher behind you is all that matters is that your game is fun and people want to play it and that's what you should be focusing on first and foremost yes uh it's a dangerous it's game development is a very dangerous territory for 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 everyone that's involved and you never know because it plays into like any other entertainment like the timing besides your product the people that you talk with how you connect with people all these mathematical variables have to work in unison for you to kind of put out something that actually has resonation and if anything user-generated content is i'm I'm glad that this industry is booming i I'm glad that uh, there's a modding community now because you know the old modern community, if anything has evolved into this and i I feel like there's a new generation of content creators finally that is echoing at least what what the times are 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 asking for you know a huge involvement of social media uh the ability to kind of uh, amplify your own message and having all the tools and, and social media sites to kind of work at your disposal. And it's exactly what GDUX is built off of is like, how do you have an idea, express it and sell it and profit off it and be successful at it? I mean, that's the whole cycle. I feel like every game developer has to do and user generated content, if anything, removes a lot of the barriers of learning a thousand programs that us uh, us game developers have to learn and all, all the tools are, are super accessible uh, as we've mentioned many times before i think it's a perfect formula and like you said we're already seeing 
the 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 remnants of great success within those platforms like the roblox i feel like is at the top of my list of a company that is realizing this and and doing it really well um uh, in minecraft uh, even though they have a huge following at javascript i'm not seeing that type of individual success um as much maybe i'm wrong on this but i'm not hearing at least a single person on that side where it's like well, I'd say know, I would say it's different success, you know, right with with Minecraft, its popularity is based on the user generated content or this, the ability to create UGC. Uh, they give you an open sandbox and literally you can do just about anything in it. And if you have the ability to mod uh, or learn JavaScript and can create uh, mods within that game, it, it just it's an open open book. Uh, whereas Roblox, it's a little bit more structured in the sense that your goal is to create something or play within something someone else has created. Uh, so you'll see sort of differences between the two, but both are wildly popular um, because of their respected uh, differences in the way that they're used and played with people around the world. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I mean, we're at, we're at the end of the hour. And uh, I'm so glad that you, you, you're talking about this because I feel like even with as a game developer and many colleagues, we're very much unaware of this industry. And only because I've been doing the podcast for so long and I'm talking to a lot of people that I'm learning more and more about this part. But it, it has one of those weird issues where everyone knows about it, but no one really knows about it <laughs> type of thing. And uh, I'm glad you're, you're shining a light in that subject because I do feel like it's... Um, it's a sleeping giant uh, that it's going to be a bit crazy uh, in the next couple of years. And I feel like you're going to be behind if you're a game developer and not know anything about this industry. Absolutely. And thank you for having me, Brandon. Uh, for everyone out there who's looking to learn more, uh, I cannot recommend enough that you join the game dev community on Reddit, connect with your fellow developers, talk about what you're creating, collaborate, make friends, make partners. You're going to be stuck on an issue that someone else has solved. And this is your, you know, use the community at your disposal to solve these problems. Uh, and if you're a troll who just wants to hate on people who have problems or issues and, you know, maybe maybe don't don't join reddit you know stay out of stay out of the community but uh there's one thing that you know i i got into this industry because i love working with creatives uh and creative types and there is just so much support within this community uh especially with everything you guys are doing with uh game dev unchained and and with gdux it's just uh really amazing to see and and to watch it grow well on behalf of the community, I'm glad you're you're on our side to kind of help us through this. Because if anything, words or words on contracts scares us the most. <laughs> We're very. If they visual. should do not sign yeah. something without reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, <laughs> I think in a lot of respects, a lot of the game developers sign things because they are intimidated by the words on the paper. But uh, take heed, if anything, on Zachy's warning and. And make sure to consult with a lawyer and, and 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 do what's right and do the due diligence because of all the pathways that I've seen within the industry, uh, there's always a good percentage that's going to lead to success. So you do not want to be left out of that at the end of the the road and and be <laughs> your pocket pockets empty basically. So uh, uh, I can, I can give everyone three great words of advice. Uh, one. Get a lawyer. 
I know they're expensive. Well worth your time. Two, never sign anything without reading it. And three, an email exchange back and forth is not a contract. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta go back to all my emails inbox then. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank you, dude. I want to thank you for coming on. It's always a joy. You're always schooling me on something. Uh, every time I have you on, it's great. And I hope uh, everybody, I'm sure everybody out there who are watching this or watching this later is definitely going to take a lot out of it. You're educating a lot of people and shining a light on a sub subplot of the industry that's actually quite big, which is what's fun about the game industry. There's always little areas where it's actually like its whole whole own beast. Uh, so I want to thank you for the time. And uh, this is the moment where I just hand the mic over for you to kind of have you tell people where they can find you, follow up, and, and have uh, extra conversations with you. Absolutely. Uh, so you guys want... The easiest way to connect with me would be through uh, Twitter, at Pancake232. That's two Ks. Uh, that's that's the easiest way to get in touch with me these days. Um, if you're looking for fantastic legal advice, I cannot recommend... Uh, Jessica Schraben, who was on here earlier, I think she was here yesterday. She has actually taken over Press Start Legal. So if you are looking for legal advice within the game industry, that is a fantastic resource to start. Uh, I also, again, want to call out the game dev community over at Reddit is a fantastic resource. And, you know, the fantastic people at, at Game Dev Unchained, Brandon, everything he's doing and GDUX is just, you know, Working as a community is the only way that you're going to grow and solve problems and do it in a way where you can learn and then help somebody else who might be in the same spot as you. So heed my three warnings uh, and be nice to each other. All right. Thank you, Zach. And uh, we'll, we'll keep chatting because I, I have some legal <laughs> legal stuff that I always want to go over with you. All right. So have a good one, man. Absolutely. You too. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are liking the podcast, go to the Apple iTunes store and give Game Dev Unchained a five-star rating. This will help spread the joy and love and exposure for the podcast, and we thank you very much. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Discord, which can be found on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail feature, go to patreon.com forward slash blue champs this gives listeners a chance to kind of call in leave a message for both me and the guests to answer your deepest darkest questions and comment on your deepest darkest secrets thank you everybody